Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on? And thank you for listening to The Incline. Kevin Klein here. The Dodgers are 2020 World Series champions, of course, and it was a great day out at Dodger Stadium. The Dodgers were able to receive their World Series rings, and it was an iconic celebration. We'll talk about all that in just a minute. Uh, David Rosenthal, how are you doing today? Doing good, Kevin. Nice to get a win on the ring day. Nice to see Clayton Kershaw, Justin Turner, Kenley Jansen, everybody get their rings, smiles all around. Uh, good day to Good day to be a Dodgers fan. What's going on, Jake Reiner? What were your takeaways from this ceremony? Dude, I, I got chills watching the whole ceremony. It was great. Um, it was great to see the fans back in the stands, too. Uh, it's been a while since the Dodgers have played in Dodger Stadium um, in a meaningful game, not counting the, the, one, the games against the Angels. But, I mean, if you think about it, the last time they played a meaningful game there was against Milwaukee. And then after that, they, you know, spent the rest of the time in Texas. So to get to come back home, be in front of the home fans, to watch the ring ceremony. I love the way the Dodgers did it with all of the, uh, the players, favorite players growing up, giving video messages, um, which was awesome. And then I love the fact, because I was curious, I was like, who's going to be the last guy to get the ring? Because they did Kershaw, they did Turner, they did Mookie. Um, it was cool to see Julio Urias get the final ring. The, the guy who was the yeah. last guy on the mound got the final out of the World Series. That was a classy move. Well, not yeah, to, that would have been that would have been my choice if it wasn't Kershaw. I was a little ticked that it wasn't Kershaw. Not to burst everyone's bubble, was but wasn't this alphabetical? Was it? No, no this, way. I feel like it wasn't. Betts, Ballinger, Bueller. I'm pretty sure they know. went I, down the line. <laughs> is is I? I have a hard time seeing that, but now that I think about it. It might have been, but still, no way. I, I don't. I don't think so. Okay, but more importantly, what the hell was Bronson Arroyo doing? <laughs> he sang "Wonderwall" to Walker Bueller in like a love ballad. That was one of the strangest things I've maybe ever seen. That was the weirdest thing. Yeah, ever. that was very cringeworthy. And yeah, I was going to talk about that too. Almost uncalled for. And you know, Bronson <laughs> Bronson was a Dodger for like a split second, although I don't think he ever actually pitched for us. Um, but yeah, that was the first time I've ever watched a ring ceremony because I'm too bitter to watch any other team get their ring. So yeah, it was cool. Too. I thought, yeah, the way the Dodgers did it was really awesome. Obviously, Andrew Friedman was handing them out to every player and it seemed like he was extra happy handing it to Joe Kelly. So I don't know what's going on with Joe Kelly and all that, but the social media loves him. The fans love him. I don't seem to think he's any good, but whatever. I don't want to get attacked here. It really so, was alphabetical. Like I'm really thinking about this. Like I'm really upset. Yeah. Like, that's I'm like looking at the roster now. I'm like, maybe yeah, me it too. was alphabetical. I mean, Hey, it worked out good, right? <laughs> it still was a classy move to do it alphabetically. I'm going to just say that. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, man. So it was, it was cool. Cause you know, I didn't know Mookie Betts, favorite player was Jimmy Rollins. And that is cool. Obviously, Rollins killed the Dodgers in 08 and 09, and then he was a Dodger in 2015. But, yeah, it was cool. Rollins gave the speech about bets. Uh, Muncy looking up to Jim Tomey. There's a lot of similar similarities in those two's games as well, both just like power bats and lefties. Uh, Clayton Kershaw getting emotional in the Will Clark speech and all that, and then Kershaw getting his ring. I almost got teary out of myself, but – I absolutely did. Yeah, that was the most beautiful moment of the entire ring ceremony was Clayton Kershaw finally get, getting to put that ring on his finger. 
holding it up to the camera, biggest smile, I think, and probably the most proud moment of his career. So I just love the moment of him like punching to the sky, like holding his fist up there was yeah. just so awesome. You know what yeah. else was cool was uh Ichiro talking in Spanish to Edwin Rios. Yes. That was pretty badass. And then he told Edwin to give him his ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ichiro's the man. Absolute one of the best. Yeah. So that that was pretty much the day, of course. And the grass just looked beautiful with the Dodgers 2020 World Series champion lettering all over that. But yeah, it was a great game. I know obviously it wasn't an exciting outcome. One nothing, but the Dodgers did win over the Nationals. They're now six and two to start this early season. So we have eight games in the book books. Walker Buehler was victorious. He's been great so far to start the season. He's one and zero with a 150 ERA. And I know he wasn't happy with the velocity in his first outing. It was hovering in the 93 to 96 range. Today it looked more like it was 95 to 97 consistently. But let's talk about Bueller and the Justin Turner home run. That was big, obviously, since it's a one nothing game. So let's start with there. What were your guys' thoughts on Bueller's season thus far and Justin Turner? I think Bueller looks like locked in. Like he looks like from the get, from the jump, he's just he's just zeroed in. And yeah, the velocity may be a question, but I, I just take it as, you know, he's just tuning up. This is his second start of the season, but he looked really sharp. I also like the um the fact that before the game, the Nationals had put out a, you know, a hype video of that game five of the NLDS in 2019, Bueller started that game. And he pitched really well, pitched well enough to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, the Dodgers couldn't get it done, but I thought it was cool. A little redemption there. Uh, Bueller kind of shoving uh, for six innings. That was great to see. Um, and then also great to see uh, Corey Canable just curveball the Nationals to death. Um, and shut the door in the ninth. And of course, Justin Turner, I mean, you couldn't script that better. The the guy who didn't get to celebrate with his team on the field in Texas when they won the World Series, the the COVID-19 uh, complications, then he, got, then he gets to come back home in front of the fans who love him. Um, hometown guy, he's the guy that basically is the entire offense today, which, you know, wasn't ideal, but, you know, hey, a win's a win. Yeah, Corey Knavel was the thing that jumped out at me today. Ten pitches, struck out the side. That was one of the most dominant curveball performances I've maybe ever seen in my life. Uh, that w- He was untouchable with that pitch. He mixed in the fastball, 97. Ten pitches, three straight strikeouts, absolute dominance. And my hat goes off to Will Smith uh, because not only did he do a good job with Knavel, he did a phenomenal job with Bueller, whether that be pitch framing throwing out runners and calling a good game. You can see he's been improving on that just in, just in the short amount of games we've seen thus far. Granted, Austin Barnes still is worthy of playing, uh, but it's wonderful to see Will Smith taking strides in that part of his game because we know the offensive side of his game is, is there. And it's, you know, he's a top three offensive catcher in baseball. Uh, but when his pitch framing and the defense and the arm gets going like it is right now, uh, he's coming for that number one spot for uh, JT Real Muto real quick. <laughs> yeah, his mm-hmm. he's really improved this season. Today he caught a flawless game. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about the other game. He did make some mistakes, but we'll get we'll get there when it comes. Uh, Justin Turner is scorching hot to start the season. Two home runs, eight RBIs, batting four fourteen with a seven twenty four slugging. I don't think I've ever seen Justin Turner come out of the gates this hot to begin a season. So given that he's 36 he slimmed down some people doubted if he still had anything left in the tank he's obviously showing right now you <laughs> you kevin i that too no the difference with me was i was saying don't give him four years two years I was know, like but- two years was what i wanted him to get four years I, i'm not comfortable with that and we knew he wasn't going to get four years but yeah i love the fact that he's come out of the gate on fire he looks un- unbelievable at the plate like the most comfortable i've ever seen him um, it's just great to see. Yeah, I saw today he's got a 38 on base, 38 game on base streak going back to last year. Yeah. And I also saw, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe I saw this is the first season he's homered before April 28th, I believe was the number. Uh, so he's he's aging like a fine wine right now. It's <laughs> a strange stat. <laughs> well, yeah, it's great to see given obviously some other guys in the lineup there's some concerns obviously Cody Bellinger was placed on the IL today we kind of saw that coming we talked about it on the locker room show a couple nights ago 
It's a calf injury. So Luke Rayleigh got the call up. Another lefty bat. Uh, Cody, and then Mookie Betts. He is out day-to-day with a back injury. Hopefully he gets in the lineup any day now so Dodgers fans can actually watch him play in person at Dodger Stadium because I know there's so many that want to see him. And then obviously Tony Gonsolin was placed on the aisle a few days ago with some shoulder discomfort, irritation. So Dennis Santana has been recalled, although I don't think we've seen him pitch yet. So uh, any thoughts on those injuries? Yeah, it's a little worrisome with, with Bellinger, especially because we were concerned about his shoulder and then he gets spiked running down the first baseline. So I hope that that is nothing serious. I'm glad that they're taking the precautions they need. And like I've been saying this whole time, I think that this lineup can hold up without him while he fully recovers. And I think the the, the more time he recovers his shoulder as well, the better it'll be for when he comes back. I'm a little worried about Mookie Betts just because he's, he's missed a, a few more games than he than I thought he would. Um, Dave Roberts giving him the quote-unquote extra day of rest. I thought he'd be ready to go for opening day. But again, I think the Dodgers are in a position where they can allow these guys to be fully healthy before coming back. It's the smart decision, especially 162 games. The the one weird thing is I is Luke Rayleigh coming up, which you know I, I don't really get because without Betts and Bellinger in the lineup, you're going to see a lot more Taylor and Pollock, which means they're not coming off the bench, which also means you only have lefty options uh, in a pinch hit, you know, late inning scenario. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, Cody Bellinger should be back in time for that first Padre series. If you have that marked on your calendar. Yeah. I'm not too worried about the Bellinger injury at all. Um, The left calf contusion. uh, I was at that game. It looked worse than it was. Uh, You know, you kind of worried that it was his ankle. Uh, which would cause some concern, but just because it's his calf, I think it's April beginning of the season coming off surgery. They're not going to rush him back. Uh, It's retroactive to that one game. So he doesn't have to miss that much time. The bets injury is a little bit more concerning to me because back injuries can tend to linger. I hope he doesn't have to go on an aisle stint. Maybe we'll see him tomorrow, but all in all, I think, I think the Dodgers are going to be just fine. I'm I'm hoping uh, we see Gonsolin back here pretty soon. And Dave Roberts said uh, Bruce Dark Gratterall is close as well. So uh, they'll be getting some guys back shortly. So let's take it back to that Oakland Athletic Series. And we'll start with the uh, last game in that series that ended on a sour note. The A's walked it off on the Dodgers. But obviously the big story here was Kenley Jansen came in. They had a one-run lead and he blew the save. So Jake, I know, has a lot of thoughts on this. So I'm going to pass it over to him. I don't get it. I mean, I really don't like uh, Dodgers fans, whether it be on Twitter or reporters that are putting it in their articles. I get it. I don't understand what I'm not seeing that Dave Roberts is seeing to give him confidence that Kenley Jansen can, can do this anymore. Um, Especially on back-to-back games. I mean, this is a no brainer. I, I think, and you know, one, one of the guys we, we like to talk about a lot, Howard Cole on Twitter was saying, you know, wh- you know, what's the point of having a closer if you can't use them on back-to-back games? I disagree with that, that whole sentiment entirely. The Dodgers have an entire bullpen of closers. Why aren't we using those closers? Yeah. Why are we relying on Jansen on back-to-back days when we don't have to? I mean, that's how this team is built. And I have some numbers for you that I just want to run through real quick just to give you an idea of the evidence that we have that this is just not working. So since September 1st, 2020, and this is including, you know, the regular season games, playoffs and world series, he has thrown a total of 20 innings, 20 in the third innings and has a 531 ERA over that stretch. So he's not been doing great in save situations. He has an 11.05 ERA over that span, five saves, two blown saves in non-save situations. He has a 2.08 ERA. That's, you know, a difference of nine runs on the ERA. So there right there, you can kind of wrap your brain around. Maybe he's just is, isn't that closer anymore. Furthermore, I would just like to point out that if you take a look at days of rest in 2019, the last full season on zero days of rest. So meaning when he has to go in back-to-back games In 15 games in 2019, he had a 5.79 ERA, gave up three home runs, five walks, and a whip of 1.357. That's crazy. 
You go to one day of rest, it goes from 579 ERA to 3.86 ERA. So I don't understand what more evidence you need to tell you that this guy cannot go in back-to-back games, back-to-back games, you know? Okay, fine. If you want to try, try him out as the closer, I don't think he should be the closer. Fine. If you want to do that, but at least give him a day or two in between. I, I just don't get it. Yeah. Here's the thing. Dave Roberts is a player's manager, maybe the number one player's manager in all of baseball. He's never going to come out and say, yeah, we're going to have to take a look at, look at things with Kenley and reassess the situation. Never. But I will say this about Dave Roberts. He's not stupid. He knows what we know. And he's going he's gonna to react to it when it matters. Do I think Kenley Jansen should be the closer now? Sure. Why not? Do I think Kenley Jansen should be the closer in the playoffs? Absolutely not. And should he pitch on back-to-back days? Never. Literally never. Uh, he's getting up there in age. The velocity is not what it was when it was in 2017. His stuff is not what it was when it was in 2017. He's not the same guy. We saw what Dave Roberts did with Kershaw in 2019. He He put him in the situation he should have never been in. And that's, that's what Dave Roberts tends to do with pitchers. Again, it's April. So I'm not concerned about his role right now. Uh, If anything, I'm glad this is happening because we're going to, it's going to save the Dodgers from future heartbreak when it matters, get this out of the way. Let's know what Kenley Jansen is capable of. Let's have a, a slew of evidence for us and Dave Roberts and the front office to see and then they'll reassess and put him in situations where he can succeed. You know, look, it was tough to trust Dave Roberts before those last two games in the World Series. But post game uh, game five and game six of the 2020 World Series, as much as it's a scary thing to say, I trust Dave Roberts right now. I do. And I, I, I wholeheartedly believe in games that matter down the road. We're not going to see Kenley Jansen in a back-to-back and we may not see Kenley Jansen in the ninth inning. Look at, look at what Corey Knable did. If he keeps that up, the decision's made regardless of a player's feelings and what Dave Roberts is going to say. I agree. I agree. And I'll just say real, real quick before Kevin goes. Well, I had a fan I just, question that maybe you could tackle with it. So for the listeners, I'm going to combine it real quick. So Josh, Mansala and Gorilla Golf want to know why does Roberts keep going to the Jansen well? And you know they're frustrated. It, basically, it's not a it's not a soul it's not solely Dave Roberts here. This is this is an organization decision. I don't think that Dave Roberts is kind of going off the cuff here and saying I'm sticking with my guy and I'm going to put him out there no matter what. I really don't think he's doing that. I think it's a it's a collaborative effort. So we got to rem- we got to rem- you know remind ourselves of that. But the problem is, is that I've, I've seen this story way too many times. And, and yes, it is April and it is early on and I'm not going to, you know, freak out over this, but it is concerning. And that, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. We know he can't do this. And it's, and it's a disservice to Kenley Jansen. We, we, we talk about Dave Roberts as a player's manager and the players love him. Well, he doesn't really have the relievers backs in this situation because if he did, he wouldn't put these guys out there in these situations. Yeah. One thing I, I would like to say is let's not forget that five out save in Colorado. Uh, he, he pitched well in that one game. Shouldn't have, so, shouldn't have done that though. I agree. He should have never been in that situation, but that's just evidence that sometimes he can do it. And I think that's what the factor is. We, we don't know what version of Kenley Jansen we're going to get. Is he capable of getting a three out save with no trouble? Yes. Is that the most likely situation given today's Kenley Jansen? No, but you also got to look at these, these other relievers for the Dodgers. I mean, none of them have been, you know, do- completely dominant. Trinan had, had an issue. Gonzalez wasn't super sharp in one outing. Uh, Gratterall's hurt. Canable obviously looked phenomenal today, but I think he had one outing where he, he wasn't as dominant. So not it's so, just a matter of, so far. yeah. So it's just a matter of, you know, they're, they're paying him 20 million. They're going to use him and you might as well figure out what you're going to get in April. So you don't falter in September. I agree. I, I, I agree with you on that point. It's just, for me, it's, it, it's enough. It, no, I'm with you. I, I don't think he should be closing every day. Should he, should he be closing sometimes? Sure. You yes. know, they got a, they got a two or three run lead. Uh, he hasn't pitched the day before. Sure, send him out there. He but... closed the night before. Exactly. He threw and, 18 pitches. Yeah, and it wasn't 
it was not uneventful. Granted, yeah. uh, I believe they uh, he came in with a runner on base, which he should never ever do. Uh, but you know, it's it's not really uneventful. It's it's always there's always something. It seems like with Kenley Jansen, it's never going to be a, a smooth outing at this point, which is sad because he is one a Dodger legend, one of the best closers maybe ever. Uh, but they they do need to get real with themselves, and I I, I think they will. I, I think it's it's coming. Uh, maybe not in April, maybe not in May, but I, I think the reckoning of realization of what Kenley Jansen is 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 coming. Yeah, thankfully Mookie Betts had the that insurance run and that successful save outing by Jansen because we have to remember that it was like first and third, and the tying what could have been the tying run was at the plate. Otherwise, thanks to Mookie Betts' home run, that game ended up being more comfortable. Otherwise, maybe we are sweating there. But overall, I think Jansen, you know, there are times where he can close, but he's just not the closer anymore. And it's a realization I think we all have to just accept. And I know most Dodger fans already have that. And Corey Canable, to me, is the pure closer on this team. Like, if there is one guy who can be the closer, it's definitely him. And I think as the season just continues, we're going to see it. He's already got two saves on the season that obviously is going to lead the team. And, you know, with Jansen, it's just, you don't know what you're going to get some nights that blown save. He was awful. Like all the pitches that he was throwing were first of all in the low nineties. I think even somewhere in the high eighties. Yeah. And they were, I saw. Yeah. And they were multiple feet off the plate. And of course I know Taylor made an excellent throw that could have possibly thrown out that third out and maybe Jansen walks away gets lucky Uh, of course unfortunately will smith did drop that ball and that's what i was alluding to you know though will smith is improving a lot i think he still needs to work on those those type of situations he's got to hold on to that baseball because i think that could have been the third out at home plate and then we don't have this mess that we're talking about definitely definitely and i think i i even tweeted before that happened like no matter what happens in this situation it is never the correct move to bring him in on back-to-back days Period. Yeah. Agreed. All right. And, so, Dave, and, you know, the last thing you want to hear from your closer is as a descriptor, you never know what you're going to get. That's right. like about the last thing you want to hear describing your closer. And it's unfortunate because it's, it's true at this point in time. So, David was at the two previous athletics games and he had a blast and he'll tell us all about that. You know, Obviously, one of the biggest storylines that stood out to me was like the resurgence of Clayton Kershaw because that first outing did not go his way. And it was a lot of just bad luck. I mean, he gave up 10 hits and nine of them were singles. And a lot of that was also just because of shaky defense. And it was in Coors Field. But Kershaw looked like the Kershaw we've seen of all the great years. And, you know, Jake mentioned a great stat on our locker room show a couple of nights ago, how Kershaw had, I think, 22 whiffs which was like the most he's had since 2017. The slider was honestly the best I'd seen it in years. And, you know, don't look at the 426 ERA. That'll throw you off. He actually has a 188 FIP, which is field independent pitching. So that's vintage Kershaw right there. So Kershaw looks like playing Kershaw, despite that rough spring and then the BS outing at course. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a sight to see for sure. He, he looks good. Uh, you know, it's similar to Jansen. He's not the same player he was five years ago, but does he still have the best curveball in baseball? You bet. And when the sliders working and when the velocity of the fastball is, is up a little bit, he's, he's vintage. And the thing I noticed, uh, I went back and looked at the numbers is his fastball velocity wasn't that high that game, but what he did was he took a little bit off the slider and that discrepancy between the fastball and the slider is what makes him effective. That's why when his fastball velocity is, is up in what we saw last year, that's why the slider is so good. So what he did in that game, after looking at the numbers and the velocity numbers, he simply, the fastball velocity wasn't there. So what did he do? He simply just took a little bit off the slider and I've never seen him do that. So this man just continues to adapt. Uh, he, he is still legit. Is he the ace of the staff? I don't know. Maybe metaphorically, maybe he's not the best pitcher right now on this, on this pitching staff. Uh, but he's still got it, man. He's still, uh, he's still legit. And in the playoffs, I trust him a hundred percent. He's still elite. He is. he is. He's still elite. And that, that go, that speaks volumes, uh, you know, to be 33 and, and to, like you said, David adapt. I think that's the key right there is that 
he's not trying to blow guys away with his fastball. Like he used to, when he was in his prime, like when his fastball was at 95, 96, he's sort of gone the way of a Greg Maddox or a Tom Glavin where they never threw that hard. But once they, once they figured out that their velocity is just wasn't there anymore, they became artists and they started to pinpoint those pitches and to just attack you in a different way. And like you mentioned, using that slider, um, you know, not only as an out pitch, but, a, but, but using it as, as a changeup, using the fastball as a changeup, um, it, it's just, it's an incredible thing to watch. And Kershaw is one of the, you know, one of the smartest pitchers we've ever seen. And the way he's been able to adapt and, and dominate is, is remarkable. And I think, you know, Jansen could take a page out of his book. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say it one oh. more time. What makes Kershaw elite in today's game is the discrepancy of velocity between his fastball and his slider. That is what makes him effective. The curveball is always going to be there until he hangs up the cleats. But when he can change the speeds of the fastball and the slider, that is what makes him elite. He's coming off in a fine outing where he went seven innings, eight strikeouts, one run, no walks, four hits, and 28, which is now the record for a pitcher ever since, well, since 1900, basically. No pitcher has more outings where they struck out eight batters, walked nobody, and then gave up one and run or less. So Clint Kershaw just adding to the record books for you. Um, we could talk more about that A series, but there's another lingering issue that's been popping up and it involves Trevor Bauer and he's being singled out by MLB quote unquote. I, I agree with this. Dave Roberts actually said that he feels like Trevor Bauer is being singled out. Uh, his last outing as the athletics, the umpires by the request of the athletics took some baseballs and they're now investigating them for what is that new rule of checking on banned substances used by pitchers. So I want, what are your guys' thoughts on all this nonsense? This is a total witch hunt, uh, to use a a word I think Trevor Bauer would approve of, uh, (laughs) look, it's no secret that Rob Manfred and Trevor Bauer dislike each other. Bauer has been one of the most, if not the most, open critics of Rob Manfred since this whole cheating scandal with the Astros became a thing. So I, I, I think it's funny, honestly, that Manfred waited until his second start, not his first start, to be the to send send the dogs on Bauer and and get this whole whole thing going because it's never going to go anywhere. He's not going to be suspended. They can't even suspend him. That's not in the in the CBA. They can't do anything about this. Uh, this is a total hit job from Rob Manfred. Do I, and this is, I don't even know if he's using substances. He was the one who called pitchers out saying everybody's doing it. So if they're going to go after Bauer, you got to go after everybody. This is a clear uh, mandate from Manfred uh, because Bauer, he, he doesn't like Bauer. It's, it's very simple. It's very clear that that is what's going on. And look, substance aside, whatever. I, if you're going to, you know, make pitchers stop using the substances, be my guest, but you can't be this open about doing it to the guys you, you vehemently dislike because it's obvious, Rob, like you're not fooling anybody, Mr. Manfred. You're really not. Right. And I think even Bauer pointed out on Twitter that there were other pitchers that had their, the, the baseballs removed and that they hadn't gotten any sort of media attention, of course, because Bauer is, is the, is the main target of this story. Um, I also think it's interesting to point out in the athletic report by Ken Rosenthal, he said, yet even if the balls Bauer through are found to have contained foreign substances, it remains to be seen whether the league can prove he was responsible for their application or whether any punishment imposed by Commissioner Rob Manfred would stand. So that's something to keep in mind and something that that Bauer had pointed out when they sent this memo out, which is, how can you how can you prove that he was the one that applied the substance to the ball if there is is if there's substance on it to begin with? Yeah. Um, you know, because they're, you know, whether it could be, you know, pine tar from a from the batter, maybe the batter, you know, touches the ball with his batting glove that has uh, pine tar on it. I mean, you know, I'm I'm getting, you know, grasping at straws here, maybe, but that's a huge thing that I think that the players union would would uh object to, which is you can't prove you know when and and how much and what substance they put on the ball yeah well i don't think this is going to be an issue this is just mlb bluffing 
Regardless, Bauer's been awesome thus far as a Dodger. 13 innings, 20 strikeouts, had a no-hitter through six in his first outing as a Dodger. And you know what's kind of funny is the first two outings, Bauer's just been electric through six innings, and then for whatever reason, he kind of runs out of gas in that seventh. So let's see what happens moving forward. Otherwise, I, I couldn't com- I couldn't complain. I mean, this is exceeding my expectations. He looks like another ace out there. I have a question for you guys. How do you feel about this banned substances uh, memo? And do you feel that it is quote unquote cheating? And where do, where does it? And if it is cheating, where does it rank for you on the list of all the things we've seen people try to do? I mean, it's cheating, but the issue with this type of cheating is that I don't really consider it performing enhancing. I just, I don't know. It's like putting wearing batting gloves or something. If it helps you kind of grip better, it, I don't know. It's just, it's a weird line to cross. And when most of the league is doing it, as opposed to like PEDs where like guys were using it to extend their careers and getting a one-up. I don't know if this really is getting a one-up. I think this is just, like smart well technically it's increasing the spin rate right but i don't know it's it's weird it's one of it's one of those weird like things that just happen this is not on the same level as as anabolic steroids and and peds to me whatsoever first of all it's no secret that i'm not going to say a majority but i'm going to say a large number of pitchers do this uh so look it's the same thing for me with de-juicing and juicing the baseball pick one and stick with it either be consistent about it all across the board or or leave it alone and if they're going to go the route of we don't we're going to crack down on this then that's got to be league-wide and i'll tell you one thing right now that's not going to happen this year uh that's going to be that's going to be have to something that's going to be have to uh negotiated into the next cba in, in 2022 uh, because there's a whole lot of stuff that they, the players union would fight and they would win on this. So this is not going to be an issue that's going to be resolved this year. And like I said, league wide or leave it alone. You can't just single out the guys you don't like. Rick Kiozo 82 wants to know thoughts on Zach McKinstry. Are you guys impressed with him thus far as a super utility player? How could you not be impressed with them? I mean, he, he's been awesome so far. And if you look at his numbers through seven games, um, he's hitting 273. He's got a uh, he's got an 837 OPS, which is pretty decent for him because he's not that much of a power hitter. But he's got three doubles. He's got one home run, which is that crazy inside the Parker, and five RBIs. He's played pretty decently at all the positions he's played. Um, almost played all around the diamond. He played right field today. Um, you know, I think he's great. I, I think, you know, Andrew Friedman knows when to move on from a player and he knew when to move on from guys like Jock Peterson and, and especially Kike Hernandez. And he knew that Zach McKinstry was going to be a guy that, that could fill in. And especially with all of, you know, the, the injuries that have popped up for this team early on, McKinstry has been great and he's hit lefties too. So that's something that's something to keep in mind. I mean, he he's been he's been fantastic. Jock Peterson finally hit a clutch home run off um, his first of the season off Devin Williams. That was really cool to see. That was sick. Yeah, McKinstry to me is kind of a mix between Kike Hernandez and Alex Verdugo. Honestly, uh, I get I get Verdugo vibes because he he hits for contact. He can get on base. Uh, he plays good defense, and he just kind of does a little bit of everything. Uh, it's tough not to be impressed with him so far. Uh, he put his body on the line twice today, which you like to see. Uh, that that bunt uh, in the, I believe it was the last game of the Oakland series, uh, where he he bunted in a run. They ruled it a fielder's choice, but that's just smart small ball baseball, uh, and that's the type of play you're going to see from him. Friend of the show, Phil, wants to know why does Kenley Jansen hate Phil's happiness. <laughs> I feel bad for Kenley Jansen. I really do because yeah. I, you know, I root for the guy. I want him to do well. And yes, I've been critical of him, but I've been more critical of the people that put him in these spots. And I think, I think Dave Robertson company need to be held responsible for that because it is unfair to him to put him in a situation that he is no longer suited for. And that's, and, and that's, you know, it's not directed at Phil personally, but 
Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel bad for the guy. I want him to this do is, well. Like I, I root for him each time. Yeah, this is what I have to say. Stop writing hate mail on Kenley Jansen's Instagram and other yeah. social media posts. Knock it yeah. off. It's That's really weak. It's That's out weak. of line. It, it's a bad representation for Dodger fans in general. I've said it before when Kenley Jansen was in his prime, like he was one, he was the best closer in baseball and he did a lot for this franchise. I mean, the nationals game game five, when he like had to get seven outs and then Kershaw closed it out. That was one of the most epic appearances by a reliever ever. And there was a point where Kenley Jansen was literally all we had in the bullpen. Yeah. And unfortunately it's what led to him kind of running out of gas. Exactly. Yeah, there's, there's no reason to at players online when they when they mess up because I promise you they feel worse than you do. Like, do you think Kenley Jansen is having fun right now? Do you think he was having fun when he was sitting in the bullpen watching the Dodgers, watching Julio Arias be the guy that he wanted to be? No. Uh, he he you know he put in his work as a Dodger. He's done everything he can. He's trying his best to succeed. Is he the same guy? No. Would we like to see him succeed? Yes. Is, does it suck when he when he sucks? Yes. Uh, but look, there's no reason to go yell at him online and tell him he sucks and tell him he shouldn't wear the Dodgers uniform ever again because you just look stupid and you're not contributing to anything. Dodger Stadium has made some upgrades, and by upgrades, I mean they added Shake Shack. Big fan of that. How do you guys feel about not in and out, but it's Shake Shack in the ballpark? I'm still going to eat Dodger dogs. I'm not eating Shake Shack when I go to Dodger Stadium. Yeah. Exactly. They added, they added a speakeasy as well. Yeah. Another I, you know, thing. Honestly, uh, and and I I feel like I'm a you know an old man yelling at the cloud type of deal. But like when I go to a game, I want to sit in the seat and watch the game. Like yep. I'm there, you know, from the start to the end. I don't care about the speakeasy or whatever the food amenities there. I go there. I know what I'm gonna get. It's a hot dog. It's a beer. Uh, it's a Coke or diet Coke, whatever. Like, you know, that's, that's what I'm there to do. And I'm there to sit in that seat and watch the game. hundred percent agree. Diet Coke uh, is more disgusting than anything they could possibly serve at Dodger stadium. <laughs> okay. Well, that's an aggressive take, but I, I agree. <laughs> really like, not. I'm not going, I'm not going to these stadiums to, for like gourmet food and a, a speakeasy where I can lounge and like watch the game on TV that's not why I go to a baseball game. I mean, that's great for some people, but if I'm going to the game, I want to be in my seat with a hot dog. Doesn't matter what stadium it's from. I don't need all this gourmet food. I'm always going to the concession stand. That's the, uh, you know, ballpark classic type food. That's what I'm getting. I'm not getting Shake Shack. I'm not getting all these fancy, you know, fish type stuff or sushi or whatever the hell they're, they're serving these days. I'm going for a hot dog and I want to be, I want my ass in the seat. For for clarification, Coke itself is awesome, but Diet Coke is nasty. I disagree. Okay. It's, it's like drinking some chemical combination. It's it's not. It doesn't doesn't go down right. Um, it's really, it's really wonderful, guys. So, but I still feel like that's an aggressive take. Support for the incline is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below the waist grooming. April is here, and you know what that means. Baseball is back, baby. So dust off your mitt and cleats this spring and be ready for first pitch. Just like the crew will be mowing their stadium grass, Manscaped products provide the best tools for your own personal grooming experience. That's right, Kevin. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. That's a lot of dudes. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners, though. 20% off plus free shipping using the promo code INCLINE20. Manscaped even hooked us up with a bunch of tools from their Perfect Package 3.0 kit. Trust me, as someone who has sensitive skin, the Lawnmower 3.0 with their advanced skin-safe technology provides smooth precision, and it's waterproof to make your shave clean and easy. So guys and ladies who are listening, get 20% off plus free shipping with Incline20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Incline20. So strike out your pubes with Manscaped this season. Your balls will thank you. Obviously, Dustin May made his 2021 debut in the first series, first game against that Oakland Athletics, and he looked awesome. And obviously, David is the hype man, so and he was at that game. So why don't we hear firsthand just what it was like watching Dustin May? I mean, it, it was electric, as it always is. Uh, you saw that the growth that he's made in the offseason, uh, and the, the big the big thing with him 
his he's he's getting swings and misses now. Uh, we saw six innings of, of shutout ball with eight strikeouts. And the reason he's able to go six innings, and he probably could have gone more if it wasn't his first start in the, first start of the year, is because he's getting swings and misses. The problem with him last year is he, he couldn't finish hitters off. He didn't really have a, a finish pitch. Uh, he relied too much on the on the sinker, which is clearly his best pitch. But now that he's been able to mix in the curveball and the forcing fastball, hitters don't know what to do. And I don't blame him. I don't know how you could know what to do against this guy. Uh, this was the right call, making him the fifth starter. And he showed it in Oakland. And it was quite awesome to watch. Uh, he was lining him up and sitting him down like the best of them. And if he continues with his uh, increased whiff rate and getting more swings and misses than he did in, in 2020, uh, the sky's the limit. Yeah, I mean, Dustin May at one point looked like he could be the third best starter on this team. I mean, he could be an ace on uh, half the teams at this point. He looks yeah. like he is breaking out and he's definitely the right call, especially given how bad David Price has been yeah. thus far to start the season. So we'll see how that develops with David Price because it ain't pretty. So definitely rooting for him though. Uh, there is a there is something that I'm, I'm not happy about involving Dustin May though. And it's that Dave Roberts has decided to push his start and let Clayton Kershaw start on normal rest in the finale against the Nationals on Sunday. It's lined up to be Clayton Kershaw versus Max Scherzer, which is awesome on paper. But at the same time, I feel like Dave is going a little too hard here. Why not take advantage and give Kershaw the extra rest? You know, I I think they they probably talked to Kershaw, honestly. And I also think this has to do with, with limiting Dustin May's innings throughout the year. Uh, I think they want Dustin May to pitch in the in the fifth spot throughout the entire year, uh, and if if they're, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to you know give him maybe skip him a turn, maybe get Gonsolin in there when he when he gets back. So I think this was just a a nice opportunity early on to uh, limit Dustin's innings and get Kershaw on regular rest. So I'm not yeah, too broken up I... about it. Although I love watching Dustin pitch more than pretty much anyone, uh, but I think you know this is this could be a a, a good move in the long term. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Roberts is going a little too hard out of the gates. He, I feel put, like the, I feel like this one is is coming from up, upstairs. I don't know if this is a Dave yeah. move. I mean, he pushed Jansen with the five outs. We've talked about that, and then the back to back, of course, and then the Bellinger incident. The Dodgers were like up nine or ten nothing, and Bellinger, of course, is coming off a shoulder surgery. They should have pulled him two innings prior, and that injury probably doesn't happen. And now the Kershaw thing, where I think given that he's 33, you would want to give him a day or two of extra rest. But I'm not the manager here, so. And I also think it's important to keep Dustin May this early in the season in a rhythm. Otherwise, he might, you know, falter in that next outing. Yeah, there's. I think there's legit arguments for both. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's, it's also just a bonus to have uh, Kershaw pitch in the first series back at Dodger stadium. Um, I just think it's going to be a cool thing for the fans. I'm hoping that Mookie Betts will be able to uh, play in this series in the next series. So that the Dodgers fans, like you mentioned, Kevin can get to see him. Yeah. I mean, the offense is off to a good start regardless. They're batting 295, which is second in MLB. They have a 392 on base, which is also second. They got to get better with runners in scoring position. 242, which is 17th. That ain't good. But the starters, they're doing good as a whole. They have a 302 ERA and the overall team, 341 ERA. So I think we're right where we want want them to be. Definitely. So, yeah. Um, you guys have any other final thoughts or something you want to talk about real quick? This is the perfect opportunity. I just want to mention real real quick about the the controversy that ended the game with the Mets and Marlins the other day. This was the Michael Conforto oh. leaning over the plate and getting hit by a pitch. Now, of course, that play is not reviewable um, in the sense that they can't review intent. They can only review whether or not he was hit by the ball, which is really um, annoying because – that was a, that was BS. That was, I mean, he, I mean, gosh, even the umpire afterwards, they said, they asked him, uh, Culpa, uh, Ron Culpa. They asked him afterwards. They were like, you know, 
what what happened there? What would you have done? And and he said that he should have called him out. So to me, it's like if we have instant replay, if we're gonna go back and look at it, let's get it right because that ended the game. That was it. Uh, and especially for the Marlins who are having to compete in a really competitive NL East. I mean, the Phillies are off to a good start. The Braves, not so much, but the Mets, and they're going to have to be scratching and clawing. They're going to be playing against these teams throughout the year, multiple times. And so for a game to end that way, where a guy clearly leaned out over the plate and got hit by the pitch is just atrocious. And I, you know, I, I wish that they could go back and look at that or at least meet with the umpires in the middle and just say like, Hey, did you see him lean over? Yeah. I leaned over. Okay. Let's call him out. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because a lot of people say Mets are going to Mets, but they got a freebie that time and they locked up Lindor. So maybe their luck is turning around. There actually yeah. is something else I wanted to talk about, but go ahead, David. I was just going to say these umpires have been atrocious all around the first week and a half of the season. Some of these strike calls I've seen are some of the worst I've ever seen. And I'm not really a big robot ump guy, uh, but these guys are, are making a lot of people robot ump guys this year. They need, <laughs> they need to tighten it up real quick. But if you're going to have replay, let's use it. Like let's like um, Greg Amsinger with MLB network brought up a good point, which I thought was interesting is that how about in the ninth inning, let all the replay rules go out the window everything's reviewable like kind of like the two maybe not balls and strikes NFL. but like certainly certainly if a guy leans over the middle of the plate and and, and t- you gotta the rule states that you gotta make an attempt to get out of the way and you, if you don't do that you're out i i'm with you but their whole thing is trying to make games shorter so we're not going to yeah. see you know everything being reviewable I, I like, you know, Kevin just mentioned how, you know, under two minutes in the NFL, all the replays come from, come from upstairs. So maybe that's something to look into. Uh, and in a situation like that, I think the umpires just got to tighten it up, man. I mean, what, has he been an umpire for 20 years now? I've heard his name many times over the years. So, I mean, what are you doing, Ron? Uh, you're making everybody look bad. You cost the team a game. You admitted it after the game. And now you just look, look incompetent. Uh, so just tighten it up, guys. I mean, for real, <laughs> what the hell are you guys doing? Some of these strike calls, Angel Hernandez, horrible. Yeah, uh, Bill he, Welke, who man, who uh, umped the Dodgers game, disgusting. I mean, what are these guys doing? What are they doing? It's been <laughs> atrocious. Yeah, I think Angel Hernandez had the, the worst um, like strike ball efficiency his first yeah. going. It was atrocious. Yeah, the, it was uh, like in the low the, 80s or something. The uh, MLB umpire auditor account on Twitter is a must follow. <laughs> Actually, I don't, some- I, don't, I don't think there should be automatic or robot umpires i don't but yeah, i, I don't agree with you. i agree with you david they need to tighten it up yeah i mean i don't i don't want the i don't like the concept of robot umps either but how about we just get better umps how about that <laughs> cut some of these yeah. old guys these old heads who are, who are too old they can't see they don't care they're rude and they're grumpy and they're just bad get rid of these well people. yeah there isn't a lot of turnover for umpires i mean they pretty i mean they're like supreme yeah. court justices they stay for the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> until they die yeah. Um, Seriously, so, but there's a lot of guys in the minor leagues that would, would, would love the opportunity to get called up. Yeah. There is something else I wanted to talk about and it involves the San Diego Padres and they might be one of the most chaotic franchises in sports in general. Last season, they basically forced Mike Clevenger into Tommy John surgery. That was clearly on them. Now they're doing something else stupid with Fernando Tatis Jr., if you hadn't seen what happened, look up. He basically, I forget who the pitcher was, but it was against the Giants. He swung and missed out a ball. He had to come out of the game. He was eventually diagnosed with a form of shoulder dislocation. The Padres are placing him on the 10-day IL. They aren't being transparent with the injury status. There are some speculations out there that he might need shoulder surgery, which would effectively end his season. Instead, the Padres are like, We'll put you on the 10-day IL like with a Band-Aid, and we'll, we'll see what happens because they want him to play against the Dodgers, essentially. And honestly, they signed him to a 12-year big contract, and this is not the way to handle things. This is the second time it's happened for him. This, this exact injury happened in spring training. Uh, and you got these Twitter doctors uh, who are saying, yeah, he's going to need surgery eventually. Uh, and it was pretty weird to see A.J. Preller be like, yeah, if it happens again, then we'll probably have to have surgery. So, I mean, 
man, it's, he's the cornerstone of your franchise. Like Kevin said, you just gave him a 14 year deal or whatever it was. Uh, they just, I could never see the Dodgers handling injuries the way the San Diego Padres handle injuries. Uh, I mean, that's a really good point. They just throw these guys back out there. It's like, can you play great suit up? Uh, and it's, you know, look, the last thing I'll say, the last thing I'll say before I let you go is you want that attitude from your players. You want the attitude of I'm, I'm good to go. I'm going to play. Uh, but that's when as an organization, you have to step in and look after the player because they're not going to be the ones who are going to say, Hmm, maybe I shouldn't play. That's when you need the organization to step in and be, uh, conscious of the long-term health, uh, and, and do the right thing. And I, I hope Fernando Tatis is okay. I hope he's going to make it through the season. He doesn't need surgery. Uh, but just as a whole, the Padres are not very well run in terms of this, this type of thing. Here's the thing. The Padres are going to be good without Tatis Jr. for a while. If they let him fully recover, they have a good enough team. They have a decent enough lineup. They have the good, they have good starting pitching and they have a decent bullpen. So I don't understand why they want to rush him back. It's like we were saying at the beginning of this episode, or at least I was, about Ballinger and Betts allowing them to fully recover before throwing them back out there because this team is good enough to win without them. And and we we saw, and, and again, this is a different situation because the Padres were, you know, essentially limping into the playoffs to play the Dodgers with Mike Clevenger, is that they were like, we need, we don't have anybody else. We're not going to put Paddock out out there so let's let's put Mike Clevenger out there he gets injured now he's out for the whole season so you risk losing Tatis Jr. for the entire year if you rush him back out there yeah Yeah, and you know it's the same thing with Lamette it's the same thing you know we've seen them do for a couple years a couple years now honestly and look like you just said they're good and I don't I don't know if it was Kevin who said this on Twitter it might have been but if you think Tatis is going to be out for the year and you don't think AJ Preller would try to trade for, I don't know, Trevor Story or, or shortstop, then you're not paying attention to how AJ yeah. Preller operates. So look, I, I think Tati should get the surgery. I'm not a doctor. Uh, if I was a Padres fan, I would want him to do whatever, do whatever he can to be healthy in the long term. Yeah, there's plenty of guys out there on the market, especially guys entering their contract here. So if you got to get Javi Baez or Trevor Story, you do it. I, I know it, it hurts, but it's better than risking long-term, I just wanna, long-term consequences to your actual franchise player. I just want to point out that what the Dodgers did with Corey Seager was really smart. They elected to have, you know, for him to have Tommy John surgery, and now he's healthier than ever. So they paid the price in 2018. They went out and got Machado, who now is with the Padres, and which was serviceable enough to get them to the World Series. So yeah. I agree that that AJ Preller is is not going to let that hole at shortstop be the hole for the rest of the year. No, if you think AJ Preller is going to go quietly into the night, you're you're mistaken. I mean, yeah, the Padres are basically like a kid that just got their driver's license and now they're driving like an expensive Corvette. They just yep, they're not ready. Like they they make bad ready. rap videos. <laughs> I said it last year that the, that the kid who grew six inches over the summer and who can yeah. now ride the roller coaster. They just want to beat the Dodgers so badly, but it's like if you had just held on to all those assets and been patient, you're going to be legit. But no, they got rid of Patino, and I honestly, I know Snell is a great pitcher, obviously, but I think Patino is going to be better in the long term. Taylor Trammell been playing well for the, uh, I believe, Mariners this year. Yeah, so they, they've moved a lot of guys, and obviously Trey, Mc- Trey Turner, former Padre. Yes. Well, yes. But that's, yeah. I mean, now we're going a little too far back. I know, but but it's, you know, we're talking Padre. Might as well slander him. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So final thoughts for me real quick is just, I'm really happy with the start Max Muncy and Corey Seager have had thus far. Obviously Seager, no surprise. Batting average is dropping a little bit though. It's down to 367. He's got seven RBIs. Max Muncy, Max Muncy though, 1.041 OPS with five RBIs and a home run two bats that are just essential to this lineup, especially if Betts and Bellinger have to miss time. And Will Smith also has two home runs. So he also is tied for the team lead with Justin, Justin Turner with that too. So bats are doing their work and Chris Taylor, man, he is also awesome. Think about this Dodgers team. It's, I think it's the best I've ever seen in terms of overall depth, in terms of not having any glaring weaknesses because 
the Dodgers right now, I mean, I think Mookie Betts will be, com- will be coming back soon, but they're without Betts, Bellinger, Gonsolin, Gratterall. Think about when those guys come back. I mean, it's they're, they're, it's like they, you know, it's like making, you know, a, a big splash at the deadline. I mean, those are high caliber quality once in a generation types of talents that you're getting back to this team. So I'm super impressed with how the depth is being shown off early on in the season. And they definitely have that next man up mentality. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. It is. And Max Muncy is, is what I was going to touch on too, but you guys did a good job. He seems to be back. And if he's back to what he was in, in 2018, 2019, good luck. Uh, this is a 108, 110 t- win team with, with Max Muncy doing what he's doing and everybody else staying healthy. Uh, you know, we got two more games with the nationals, then an off day, and then a three game series with Colorado. So in those five games, I'd like to see the Dodgers go four and one, uh, and uh, get ready for that Padres series, uh, which will start in exactly a week from today. Is that in San Diego or in That is LA? in San Diego, yes. Slam Diego. Yes. Scam Diego, Sham Diego. Yes, <laughs> and then exactly a week after that, they play each other again in Dodger Stadium. So we're going to have a lot of Dodgers-Padres action in April, and it's going to get tense, that's for sure. So, Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. Well, I'm, we're, we'll see Bellinger back uh, by then, I believe. And I, I think we're, yeah. we're going to see Mookie Betts maybe for the end of this national series, if I had to take a guess. Yeah, we've been name dropping it a couple times, but you can also find us on the Locker Room app, which is basically like a radio show where you go on your phone, you listen to us talk, you can actually request to speak and actually have conversations with us. So I highly recommend it. We have a Dodgers group going. So jump on, jump on board to that. We have post-game shows. We'll have pre-game shows. We're going to talk some Dodgers Padres. We'll talk other post-games. And then also go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code INCLINE20 to get 20% off your purchase and free shipping to go with that. So that's a great product as well. So any other final go- thoughts, guys? This is, a, this is a true treat as a Dodgers fan to be able to be in a position where – we're we're chilling we're comfortable this is the beginning of the season they're already uh showing that they are a force to be reckoned with and i like having the targets on our backs for once i i like not having to you know guess and wonder if we'll scratch and claw our way to the playoffs it's pretty much you know locked in at this point that we'll make the playoffs and that's a cool that's a cool position to be in (laughs) i don't know about you but i feel like we've been locked in to make the playoffs six of the last eight years yeah yeah pretty much it's nice to have 28 2018 was a little touch and go there for a second that that one was the rockies but 2017 2017 like opening day i was like this team's something special 2019 same feeling i know but have you seen have you seen a, a better constructed team than this one i mean so far no like the rotation is the best i've ever seen and obviously 2020 the world series champions so we have to respect that team as well but also, I, 2017, like that team was really special. And we've talked about so much. They were robbed of true greatness because they would have been one of the all-time great teams. Definitely. And, and, and who would have known what happened in 2019 because that, that team was special as well. Yeah, my final thoughts are pretty simple. If the Dodgers win two out of every three games, they'll win 108 games on the year. Uh, losses are going to happen. Some of them might not be pretty, but win two out of three, win 108 games, win the division, avoid the wild card game, and then uh, let's get the magic going for a, for a second straight title. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> that's, thanks for... That's so far away. I know, I know. But it, we got to enjoy We got to enjoy the full season now. Now this, exactly. is, this is the fun part. You know, exactly. the playoffs, you got to stress. This is the fun part where you can just enjoy baseball. You get the full stat line from the players, which I enjoy. You get to see the young guys like May and, and everybody develop. Uh, so we're chilling. This is a this is a good time to be a Dodger fan. Yeah, exactly. So make sure to follow us and subscribe because there's a lot of baseball to still talk about. I already said there's eight games in the book, so there's still 150 something to go. So. Yeah, please uh, please subscribe and and leave a review if you're so kind. It would really help us out. And like Kevin said, uh, Incline 20 is the promo code for Manscapes uh, for the guys and ladies. If you want to get your husbands, boyfriends, sons, any any personal grooming stuff, we got you covered. <laughs> All right, everyone have a great weekend and you'll hear from us next week after we break down and preview that Dodgers Padres series. But other than that, go Dodgers. We're World Series champions. 
hang that banner up. Hope everyone gets to go to Dodger Stadium soon. Yeah. Go Dodgers. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.